starting in February, I've already gone through a lot of it, and I've already studied a ton of it, and I'm trying to figure out now how to preach it. But we're going to go through Revelation. I think it's something you can invite your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers to, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to upset some. I'm going to tell you now, some of you are going to get mad at me because of my positions I take, and that's okay. But you're going to see what the world is really going to look like in the end times. When we actually get a picture of the end times. And it's, it's a very intriguing book. And so we're going to spend some time going through Revelation starting in February of this year. I don't know how long that's going to go. We'll see how long God's going to take for us to go through it. I was talking to Joyce about this. I guess John MacArthur went seven years in the book of Revelation. I won't go that long. Seven years to go through that book. But we're going to go through the book of Revelation. We're going to see what God is telling people about the end times. It's not always fun, but it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for many of us. So with that being said, let's do something important together. resolutions, things that they want to do differently in the new year. Lord, we just want to follow you. Father, I pray for this congregation. I pray that you would breathe lives into their hearts and into us this year, that you and all of us this year, that we would turn from our ways and turn to your ways, that when we learn about the end times and what the end times are going to look like according to you, I pray, God, that we would understand what we are to do in this world, how we are to live in this world, how we are to love others in this world, how we are to love each other. And so, God, I just pray that you would bring your message to our congregation. I pray for this nation. I pray for all this congregation. seen the movie American Sniper. The story about Chris Kyle, he was a sniper. It's a very interesting story. But in the movie, there's a scene in the beginning that I want to share with you. It's the dad talking to his sons at dinner. And the youngest son was beaten up. He was getting picked on. And Chris Kyle, the older brother, stood up and stepped up and protected and helped out his younger brother because he was getting bullied at school. And it's a very vivid scene because it's something that many in the military are told about. They're told about this because there's three kinds of people in the world, the dad says. So if you served in the Marines, you might have heard this before. There are sheep, wolves, and sheepdogs. See, sheep prefer to believe that evil doesn't exist in the world. The wolves use violence to prey on the weak sheep. And then there are the sheep dogs. These are the ones who are blessed and have the gift of aggression. And they possess an overpowering need to protect the sheep. And this is the dad telling his, his 
sons. He says, quote, these men are a very rare breed. He's looking at Chris Pyle, and he says to him, they live and they have a duty to protect and contend for the sheep they oversee. And the dad says that if he finds out if either one of them ever becomes a wolf, he's going to beat them to an inch of their lives because we don't grow wolves in this family, he says. We grow sheep dogs. It's our duty to protect the less fortunate, the sheep of this world, because they're only raising sheep dogs in this family. Today we're going to look at Psalm 35. And I'm going to show you one of only three imprecatory psalms. Some say that there's more, some say that there's less, but I know that this is definitely considered an imprecatory psalm. Imprecatory psalms are psalms that call down God's judgment on their enemies. And so some suggest that we shouldn't even study these psalms anymore because of what Jesus said about our enemies. I beg to differ. I was reading some commentaries, and they're like, you shouldn't even read imprecatory psalms because you're calling down God's judgment on your enemies. And Jesus said, you're to love your enemies. Yes, that's true. However, these are God's words to us. And they're voiced and penned by a man named David. And so they are important for us to understand something about who God is. Because this is the word of God. All of it's the word of God. And I want to be clear here. I think you can learn something from these kinds of psalms because God is always teaching us something. He's always teaching us something. In fact, C.S. Lewis said this, We may learn from imprecatory psalms that the absence of indignation may be an alarming symptom.
teaching, no one but lay responsibilities at the feet of God and not something else. See, right now, it's the new year and resolutions are being made. It's funny, I've been working out for a year now and I started the new year and I was very excited because I'm in the 240s. I was like, man, I only got 50 pounds to go. 50 pounds to go to get to 190 where my doctor says he wants me to be. And I'm thinking, 50 pounds, I could do that in a year. But then you walk into the gym and you're like, what's going on here? Have any of you been to the gym on Jan- in January? There's some really crazy things going on because people have New Year's resolutions and they're doing stuff and they're using machines and you're going, that's not how you use that machine, sir. and you're trying to walk away and you're like, I don't want to be in the gym anymore. And so what you're going to see is you have to lay the situations that you have no control over at the feet of God and ask for Him to be in control. Because there's many who feel today, especially about our government and our money and our health, that they have no control over. That's true. So with that being said, understand that you can learn a lot from God who's in control, and we can learn to ask Him to be the ultimate sheepdog in our lives. We can't control our situations. But we can learn about something important in the collection of the Psalms. God's faithfulness. I'm really going to hit home on the faithfulness of God. Not our own faithfulness, but His faithfulness. I don't think many people believe God is faithful. Because they look for the wrong things. Many people look to situations like our government. We voted. It should be this way. We were voting the right way. Why did it happen that this person or this proposal passed? How could it be? We freak out. No, God's the one who's in control. God's the one who's going to take care of the situations. We don't have to worry about our government. In fact, you'll find I, I struggle to call them They're not my leaders. My leader is Jesus Christ and God alone. They're my representatives. And many of them in government don't represent any of the needs or wants or desires that I have. And so I do what God tells us to do, which is to pray for them. That they would have His mind in mind when they start to make bills. And they start to spend money that they don't have. And they start to do things that are out of my control and I wish just wish sometimes many of you maybe have the same wish that I could be God for one day and I would change our government in a lot of ways. That's scary to think about though, right? But here's what you really need to understand. You can have a renewed confidence in the fact that God is just and His vengeance is His as Psalm 109 so rightly says, which is another precatory psalm, for he stands at the right hand of the needy to save him from those who judge his soul. And so we're going to get into God and asking God for deliverance. That's what the title of Psalm 35 is all about, asking God for deliverance. So look at it with me. Think about that sheepdog ultimate sheepdog, God, and look at the psalm with me. It says this in verse 1, 
David says, contend, O God, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of a shield and a buckler and rise from my help, David says. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. this verse. It says this, oppose my opponents, Lord. Fight those who fight me. Take your shield, large and small. That's actually what a buckler is. So when he talks about taking hold of a shield and a buckler, the buckler actually, you have a shield that covers your arm and kind of maybe a little bit of your chest and maybe your head so you can see and fight with it, but a buckler covers your whole body. And so David is saying, take that shield, which is large and small, and take care of me. Cover me with your protection. Cover me enough so I don't have to worry about my people who are fighting me, my enemies. He then says in verse 3, he's asking God for deliverance. He's asking for the assurance from God. He says, say to my soul, assure assure me of this truth, that you are my salvation. David is in the family members, not his kids, not his grandkids. He's looking to God to be his deliverer, his ultimate sheepdog. I talked about this last week, and all of you were here last week because I seem to remember things from a week ago. But God is our deliverer. That's what David was talking about, and this is where David is talking and asking God to show him. He's in the middle of a says this. Now, I want you to notice something with David. This is where Saul, and notice something with Saul as well. Saul's pursuing David to try and kill him. Saul, the king of Israel, wants to kill David because earlier David destroyed who? Goliath, the Philistines. But look at what Saul is doing. Look at who Saul is listening. Samuel 24, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, let me say it again, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of Engai. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. He came to the sheepfold by the way. Where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here's the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And afterward David's heart struck him, because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. 
he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he's the Lord's anointed. Verse 7, so David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. So Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. And afterwards, David also rose and went out of the cave, and he called out after Saul, My Lord and King! And Saul looked behind him, and David bowed his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Why do you listen to them? Says this in verse 10 Behold, this day 
The eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today in my hand in this cave. And some told me to kill you. Some of my own advisors told me to kill you. But here's what he said, but I spared you. I said, I'm not going to put my hand against my Lord, for he's the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand? What respect he calls him, his father. What are you doing, dad? Why are you trying to kill me? And I could have easily killed you, but I didn't. Because I was listening to the Lord, not to my men, not to my advisors. I was listening to God. I wasn't listening to some crackpot who's telling me the prophecy of the end times and how the world's going to come to an end in 2021. Oops, it didn't work. Well, 2022 is going to be the year. It's the end of the world. Oops, that didn't work either. We need to stop listening to these people. Yet we do it all the time. People send me all the time. Pastor, listen to this. It tells me all about how the end times are going to happen. And it's because this person didn't get into office. They were cheated from the election. They didn't get in. Here's how it's going to end. The end times are coming. Stop listening to the garbage. That's all it is. And start looking to God and finding the truth in His Word. That's what we need to be doing. Verse 12, May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb ancient says, out of the wicked come wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you, David says to Saul. David had every opportunity to attack and kill him for stealing, yet he didn't do it. Why? He left it to the Lord. I'm not saying don't pursue, don't protect yourself. I'm saying be weary of those who tell you you need to bring legal action. Bring legal action against your fellow citizens and your brothers and your sisters in Christ. You need to sue them so you can get right. Be careful about that. David knew he could have killed Saul and tried to make amends with Saul, but Saul was not having any of it. He wasn't going to let it happen because he was listening to bad advice. He was trying to change things the way Saul wanted them to change, not the way God wanted them to change. How many of us live this way in our life? How many of us do it? I mean, can I dare say election results without getting angry? How about this? How about, can I say proposal results without getting angry? I mean, sometimes... Our pleas to the government and to men, they're not going to come to pass. Whether we're in the right or the wrong, they're not going to pass. Because there's someone who's in control of this world. Many of us don't seem to understand that. And so I'm asking us to trust in the Lord as the ultimate sheepdog in our lives. Not your money, not your health. It's God. And that's hard for people to hear because this is where the song comes into play in our lives. 
example of David turning to God for deliverance. We have an example of David turning to God for deliverance and trusting in him. And there is there are example after example of people turning to God in the Bible and trusting in him. And I don't understand why there's so many who don't trust God, who look to our circumstances, who underestimate God's control, who underestimate the faithfulness of who God is in our lives. I don't understand it. And yet I do it too. I fall into this trap of not trusting God. I confessed it to you earlier last year. God, it seemed like a week ago. But I confessed it to you. I didn't trust God when my insurance was going to go away. I started to run and think, you know what, I can become a teacher, I can do this. I don't want to be a pastor anymore because I don't, I don't have enough to do this and that and the other thing. I should just go back to being where I was making almost hundred grand a year and driving a Cadillac and wearing nice suits to work and all that fun stuff. I could have went back to that. That's easy. But the reality is I had to learn, and the help of my wife was huge in this because I was very weak and I'm, I was struggling, and she's like, no, go to God. Trust God. Don't do this. Don't give up. Believe in God. God's got this. He's going to take care of us. And I just was like, mm. and after three days, it finally hit me. You're right. Indeed, you're totally right. And so I just stopped. I'm like, I'm done. You're in control, God. I'm going to take care of this. And you know what was funny? The government healthcare.gov, where I get my insurance, they just hadn't updated everything yet. So when we went back in, we hit the refresh button and it updated, and bam, there was my insurance again. And I was like, whoa, I'm totally fine. My doctor's in the network. All my insurance is covered. I'm good. And God was like, I got this, man. It's not that I look to you being faithful. You have to believe the faithfulness of the Lord. Let me tell you something about faithfulness. It's very important. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we are faithless, that way. They don't practically live 
should be different. We should be different. We should believe and not doubt his ways. But we do. So now what? What do we do? Well, here's something interesting. A.W. Tozer puts it this way. God is faithful. He will remain faithful because he cannot change. He is perfectly faithful because God is never partly anything. Quote, God is perfectly all that he is and never partly what he is. You and I can be sure that God will always be faithful. This faithful God who never broke a promise and never violated a covenant, who never overlooked anything or forgot anything, is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ and the God of the gospel message. The good news that God is salvation for all people. That's the good news. We have a God who will assure us of our salvation. Paul was convinced of it. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that God will complete the good works he started in us. He came to love the unlovable and care for the needs who will not be loved. Sin is not okay to just do and then ask for forgiveness and then keep on doing it. That's not repentance. Repentance is changing your ways and asking for help to change your ways. Too many people in church go, I'm a sinner, I'm okay with just sinning, and then I'll just ask for forgiveness. No, change your ways. Turn from what you are doing. If you're having troubles with alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever it might be, whatever vice it might be, for me it was food. It's always going to be food. For me, I'm addicted to the the good feelings of eating something wonderful. I don't know about you all, but I really love steak. steak every day if I could. I, I, would, I, I would totally be on the carn- carnivore diet. I would have to win the lottery, but I'd be on the carnivore diet. But, but we had some really great food yesterday, and it was just that charcuterie stuff. We had like olives and stuff, and I was just like, oh, this is so good. And then I was like, I'm overeating. I'm eating too much. And then I was like, oh, but there's pie. Saves you from pie. And it just, it was, I was so just like drawn to the food. And it was like, I gotta stop. So I stopped eating. I was like, I have to stop. I can't do this. And I looked at Katie, I'm like, what do you want me to do? You want me to help you? She's like, no, I got it. I'll clean up. I, I, I'm good at cleaning up. And I just, so I went, I went into the other room and I was watching a football game with the boys. And, and it was just, it was one of those things where I had to learn to stop. sin who refuse to believe, let me tell you something. They're going to be punished. All those who love sin, who refuse to believe, they're going to be punished. There's never a time that God won't punish them. Jonathan Edwards once said this, it's sad to me that people think that God's grace will cover their sins who don't follow or obey. D.L. Moody found that if he offered a poor child a dollar, the 
child would often back off and refuse to take him. He didn't trust Moody strongly enough to believe that Moody expected the child to take him. When God promises anything, you may be sure that God expects you to do it. God is faithful. We should expect Him to be faithful. I want to leave you with this thought because I'm going to finish this psalm today just by reading the plea to a faithful God from Nathan. And I want you to listen to Nathan's conclusion of God. But first, I recommend to you that you get away thinking that this world will change in a year. It's not going to. As in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, so it shall be in the end. That's what Ephesians says. We're not nearing that place. We're getting close. We're getting close, but it's not there yet. And I'm telling you now, put your trust in the faith and loyalty of Jesus Christ because He is faithful. says he's going to do, in what he said he would do. Nathan knew. Now listen and hear what Nathan puts his trust in and turns to the Lord for deliverance. Verse 4 of Psalm 35, it says this, Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Verse 5, Let them be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he laid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. Verse 9. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in His salvation. All of my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like You, delivering the poor from Him who is too strong for Him, the poor and the needy from Him who robs Him. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not do. They repay evil for good. My soul is bereft. sick. I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. Verse 14, I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning, but at my stumbling they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I'll thank you in the great congregation and the mighty throngs. I will praise you. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes. And let those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do not speak but against those who are quiet in the land and devise words of deceit. Verse 21. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, Aha! Aha! Our eyes have seen it. You've seen, O Lord. 
Be not silent, O Lord. Be not far from me. Awake and arouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness. Let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praises all day long. Praise the Lord. Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servants. That's us, our sheepdog. Let faith pray for us. Because I think it's important you guys see that David was calling out God to be his deliverer. And if we could do the very same thing, there's nothing stopping us from crying out to God for him to be our deliverer, especially from those who claim to follow Jesus, especially from those who claim to be our representatives in government, especially those who hold the purse strings of our money. Woe is it for those who lie, cheat, and steal, because God is just. I worry for our kids.